morning and welcome to another podcast episode for Nurse and Midwife Support, Your Health Matters. Nurse and Midwife Support is the national support service for nurses, midwives and students. My name is Ellie Brown. I'm a registered nurse and today I'm joined by co-host Tessa Moriarty, experienced mental health nurse clinician. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land where from each of us are listening and I pay my respects to First Nations elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people contributing and listening to this podcast. Sovereignty was never ceded. Today Tessa and I are speaking with the Royal Women's Hospital, Badgeri Bullock, Willem and Research Team member for the Bagarook caseload, Aunty Gina Bundle, and one of the Bagarook midwives, Alexandria Burton. Welcome, Gina. Thank you, Ellie. It's a good morning from me to Auntie Gina, and if you don't mind, I will continue to call you Auntie Gina. Could we start this podcast by you telling us, rightly so, about your professional background, and then what could lead into your work with the women's services? Thank you. All right. It's a long and varied road to get where I am today. <laughs> like I said, I'm the program coordinator of Badjabulak Willem, which is, means in Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung language, home of many women here at the Royal Women's Hospital. So we're the Aboriginal Liaison Unit. But part of my role is to partner with, be involved in community initiatives. And one of those initiatives way back in 2017 was to create a caseload an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander specific caseload for the women's hospital. There were three other hospitals involved, but I'll only speak about the women's as I wasn't involved in the others, but only in the research. And so we created a unit of four, originally four midwives. And of those midwives in the beginning, they were non-Aboriginal. I'm happy to say that we have three Aboriginal midwives now within that group. And so the reputation of this group has grown out of sight. The number of women being seen here at the women's because of this unit, Bagarook Caseload, has grown out of sight. We've had people coming back now having their third babies with us. And of course, they bring their sisters and aunties and cousins and everybody else with them when they're pregnant as well. So we've become too successful for our own good in some instances, which is wonderful because we're growing. We've just employed or in the process of employing a fifth midwife. So we're also in the process of employing another ALO because we ALO and the Bagarook midwives work so closely together. It's a team that should have always existed, but it did in another context as prior to Bagarook we had KMS, which is a crew maternity services, which is an individual one-on-one -on -one midwife. Majority of those midwives are also non-Aboriginal, but along with those midwives comes the Aboriginal health workers. So they're a team that work together as well. So that Aboriginal support has always been there in the context of the KMS service. And so we're the same as in we're not Aboriginal health workers, but we're Aboriginal liaison officers, which wordings can change a context of a job description, I guess. But neither one of those positions, the health workers or the liaison officers, are clinical. One of our wonderful young Alex has just arrived. Fantastic. <laughs> You're right, love. I was just telling you that babies don't wait for nobody. <laughs> and so 
part of my role there in community a long time ago is um because KMS service is 21, 22 years old now. Bagarook in its content or in its form is relatively new. It's a few years old since 2017 as part of that research program, but it's a, an award-winning in 2019 program of its own standing now, and it's autonomous within the hospital. Part of the other caseload, but it's a specialist, I like to call it specialist midwives in a specialist team inside a specialist hospital because the Royal Women's is a tertiary hospital. And, you know, it's an award-winning program. We were lucky enough to win that for the state of Victoria in 2019, I believe. So the content of or the context of having midwives historically were Aboriginal aunties. And, you know, to bring that due to colonisation, those practices were put a stop to. And so what we've tried to do over the years is recreate those old practices in a contemporary setting. And hence now we have Aboriginal midwives, nurses and midwives in this hospital, but in the context of a caseload team, which is a five-star one. These girls offer five-star treatment. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear, Auntie Gina. And so you've been with the, the Bagarok caseload since its inception. 2017. Okay. Before And good morning, Alexandria. Lovely to meet you. Before we ask you about your own background, Alexandria. Auntie Gina, could you then just say a little bit about me? Yes, and who you are and what brought you personally to the Bagarok caseload? Oh, yes. I guess I could start off with me being, I'm a Duranger Wildbunga woman from up near Bermagui, is a Ewan country in, in New South Wales, brought up or grown up in Orbos in the Far East Gippsland. Starting off there, you know, as a young girl leaving high school in year 11. And my first job, my first ever job was a traineeship with Centrelink at the time. I think they were called something else then. I can't remember. Since <laughs> I'm getting old already. And it was a 12-month, this is my journey into the health field because it was a 12-month traineeship in a pathology lab in the Terralgan Hospital when the old Terralgan Hospital was there. So it's no longer there anymore, but can you imagine even getting a traineeship in a hospital, let alone a pathology lab? <laughs> and so my journey into the health of our people started way back then in high school. I was just coming out of high school because it was my first job. And seeing the other side of health, not just the physical being that you see with your eyes, but all the little, the inside more or less of what can actually go wrong. Because I learned to produce microscopic slides. They've saved them in the wax and sliced them really thin. I, I learned how to do that. I learned how to take blood. So I learned how to read reports. And so I did my little stint in each section, including the mortuary in that traineeship. And so it really gave me a good insight in what could go wrong for Aboriginal people or health in general. And so then you get in the front of that, in front of house where I am now, basically, that actually stood me in good stead way back then. On my journey into the health field, I did do my training as a second, well, did two with TAFE 100 years ago. I began that. I didn't complete it, though, because it was like, do I want to do nursing? Do I want to do the admin side? Because I like the talking stuff. <laughs> I'm a talker. and so. My clinical is probably not as good as my talking. And so I chose to just not complete my Div 2 nursing. And I wasn't very far off. I kick myself now as to why I didn't keep going. But anyway, that's another story. But also after coming from there, I've done all sorts of jobs in New South Wales, 
and in Victoria in regards to Aboriginal women and children's health. I was the women's health worker for the Liverpool Women's Health Service at one stage in New South Wales. I've done audiology training with GJAC. A lot of my training was done with GJAC in regards to women's health. I've ran a women's shelter in Bairnsdale. And so the physical and the medical side of Aboriginal children and women's health has always been a big part of me because the context of health is as wide as, you know, the mental health, the physical health and the medical inside jargon of what goes on in the blood tests and x-rays and all of that. And so learning those skills to be able to explain to people what's happening to them as a liaison officer is a job I just love. Creating atmosphere in a place like this is one of my most important roles, I believe. Creating safe places, culturally safe and safe, physically safe places for our girls to do their job. So I'm the big baddie when things go wrong. It's it's, good to have somebody on your side. (laughs) But it's really important that young ones have someone to come to to say, look, this is what's happening, aunt, and I don't know what to do about that. So... And thank goodness, the hospital are really good and they allow me the authority, I guess, to bring problems to the people that need to hear them. And that's worked well. The hospital's been really amazing in allowing and making change compared to how things used to be. And so, like I was saying before, the hospital is aware of its its past. They've actually made a public apology, community apology, public apology in regards to their actions and their input in removing Aboriginal children on behalf of the government. And so together now, we work really hard to make sure Aboriginal women and non-Aboriginal women having Aboriginal babies, that those babies go home with their mothers and their families. And one of our goals, that's the goal, healthy pregnancy, make sure problems, if any arise, fix them if we can. But the goal is to have a healthy baby born alive, and then that baby goes home with their parents their mother in particular, and the hospital play a real role in that because the move at the moment is birthing on country and the concepts around that, we're doing that, but we're doing that inside of a a hospital. Those things, we're not there yet to be able to create. Almost, Waminder in New South Wales is great. A women's health service has received quite a large funding grant to create something like that. So we're all looking really closely at that, waiting and watching. But what we're doing here inside the hospital is we're creating, because we need to remember, land was never ceded. So people are still birthing on country. It may not be their own country, but they're still birthing on country and one Wurundjeri country. And so what we try and do is to create that atmosphere that you're welcome here, you can birth safely here. And if child protection is in, does become involved for whatever reason, our girls put their armour on and off they go. Very rarely... Do babies leave this hospital with child protection? It does happen, but not in the numbers that it used to. Auntie Gina, before we go too much more into the Bagarok caseload and how you work as a team and a service, Alexandria, could you tell us a bit about yourself and your background and what brought you to both midwifery but also to the women's? Yeah, so I am Alexandria. I am a proud Wiradjuri woman. So my country is like Wagga Wagga Way. That's where most people know. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a family of 10 children. So 
Six of them are my biological brothers and sisters and then there's four foster children. So I love being around big family. What brought me to nursing? There's a photo of me as a two-year-old reading a mother and me book. So what brought me to nursing, I've always been drawn to childbirth and always wanted to do my midwifery, but got into the single degree instead of the double degree. So I decided to do nursing first. Got my basis at the Royal Women's. So I did gynae oncology and then I did NICU. So special care and high dependency in not vents. And then after I decided, right, I've got this. I want to go study my midwifery. I did my midwifery at the Mercy Hospital. So I did the postgraduate there, which was a really good learning experience. I so got my foundations under Pat and then I came back to the women's hospital as I found the culture really, really safe and inviting and welcoming. So I came back to the Royal Women's Hospital and as an Indigenous woman, I really wanted to give something back to my community because I feel like I've been given such opportunities in my life that I felt like I need to go give something back to my community. So I went and um, applied for the Bagarook job and got it. I've been doing Bagarook for six months now. Yeah, it's really cool. And that's wonderful. And, and I was just about to add six months and loving it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I've just delivered a, a beautiful baby just probably two hours ago, if that, or an hour and a half. <laughs> so you've been doing all the yeah. aftermath. Of- yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. So tell us more then about delivering babies in the specialist service, specialist team, specialist hospital and the specialist way that you do it as a team. So Yeah, so we have an all-risk caseload, that's what I call it. So it means that no one is excluded um, due to comorbidities. So that's really important due to being Indigenous, there are higher comorbidities in our Mm. health group. So regardless of what's happening in your health, um, you're accepted within the group as long as we have got a space available because we're very popular. <laughs> then so we see them all people from about 16 weeks. So we first see them and do a booking visit at 16 weeks. Sometimes some ladies have their booking visit already done and are identified through the hospital system that way. But generally, we get referrals from all different organisations and our external organisations will book somebody in to be seen at 16 weeks. And then we do a 20-week morphology, around 20-21-week morphology appointment where we review the ultrasound. After that, we see at about 28 weeks for the glucose tolerance test and review appointment there. After that, 32, 34, 36, 38 and 40 weeks but we tailor the care to the ladies so for instance I had a person who needed a 13-week appointment an 18-week appointment a 22-week appointment a 24-week appointment a 28-week so we have the capabilities of tailoring care that's individualized that's really important to deal with, say, different access of mental health or possibly they need to be seen more because they're obstetrically high risk as well. Another good thing about being in Bagarook means that we go with 
refer ladies to their uh, a doctor's appointment. So we provide that continuity so that there's trust already built within the organisation. And then we attend the doctor's appointments with the patients because obviously all our ladies are over different groups of, over the hospital. So they're, so we have like some in diabetes and some in fetal medicine and some in maternal medicine and all sorts of different groups. So it means that we get to go with the ladies, provide culturally safe care, make sure that anything that the patient doesn't understand, say if the doctors use jargon that's not appropriate by mistake, then we can help to debrief and make sure that the patient fully understands what's happening. Can I just Um, say that that sounds really amazing, that you provide that close support at that appointment. It really is that sort of wraparound. That's beautiful support. Yeah. Women must really appreciate that. Yeah, Yeah. I really appreciate providing the care. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We also work very closely with one specific obstetrician, Vicky Carson, there so if we have any things that are just a little outside of our scope we say we send all our blood tests off to Vicky say I might need an iron transfusion so I'll get Vicky to book it or I've got a lady who's previously had a fetal growth restricted baby so I'll get them to see an obstetrician once during their pregnancy if or more depending on what they need but we have a really, really good relationship with a very culturally safe doctor, which is so important. Yeah. So I can vouch that it's okay, we'll go to this appointment together and the appointment, they feel really safe with Vicky and, yeah, really comfortable. That's beautiful, beautiful. And tell us about how you work. You've got a sense of it already, but how you work as a team, including the way you two work together. Yeah, so our team of four midwives, soon to be five, we have published and done some interviews for a fifth midwife in our caseload. So we're growing caseload, so that's really exciting. How we work together is we have phones that we have work phones that we have access to the hospital system Epic online. So we can send secure private messages to each other when we're say at home or like we're on call but say we're not having access to a computer at the hospital so that's really important that we have access to each other we also have the pager system so we get our patients to page us if they need any assistance outside of their clinic days say they've got abdominal pain or reduced fetal movements or bleeding or they might have query broken their waters anything that they or I don't know if mayo is safe to eat in pregnancy (laughs) anything they want we they have access to us at 24 7 and we roster each of our days so that there's always someone on call how we divide the caseload is each fortnight so each year I'll see 40 ladies at a full-time rate so it's roughly three to four ladies a month that I take on to my caseload then say if I'm on a day off then my ladies are covered by whoever in the team is on and whoever in the team is on is always over any updates or things in their care because we keep a good close connection and everyone up to date Yeah, And Auntie Gina, your role, and you come together with Auntie Gina on a regular basis for discussion and review, etc. Yeah. One of the issues in the hospital at the moment is space. 
there's not enough space for us all and that's okay and so the girls actually live in our office at this moment in time they're getting their own office really soon because we're getting another alo and so if there were any two groups of staffs in this hospital that should be in the same room it's us <laughs> The Aboriginal liaisons and the midwives, especially young Cinnamon, she's over the back from me, but she's not here at the moment, works very closely with the Bagarook midwives and the knowledge together to create that wraparound service with social work, WADS. And unfortunately, it's on times when we have babies pass, we have pastoral care and we create ceremony for people as well. We create items like possum skins. We discuss how ceremony can be created with them and their families around getting baby spirit to go home with them, taking placentas home. We talk about what can happen for burials. We do all of that together because we are a happy hospital generally because we're a maternity hospital, but there are some sad things that happen within these walls. And so together we really work not only to help our patients, but also to protect one another, to help one another. Because, you know, emotionally we're very attached to our women, even though we only have that short period of window that we are involved with them at such an important time of their lives. Sometimes we need to take care of one another. And that's the beauty of us working together, our ALOs and the Bag of Rooks working together because we deal with specific group of people that we're closely connected to in, in all sorts of ways. And the rapport building that the Bagarook midwives and ourselves create with our patients is over and above any other staff member in the hospital. And so we're a specialist team as well inside a specialist hospital. And we do that job together. And we, like Alex was saying, we're actually creating a clinic at the moment. And so we've got Vicky our Dr. Vicky. And so we pull these experts from around the hospital to create this team. And so hopefully when our clinic is up and running, these people will be in our clinic because we're not a clinic as such at this moment in time, Badgerbrook Willem, but we're creating a clinic to include these people will be inside of our clinic. And so we will be a department in our own right. Still within the hospital? Within the hospital, yes. Not only will that create funds for us, but it will offer protection as well, I believe. I mean, we're very well protected in the hospital, don't get me wrong. We have wonderful executives who really, really support us in doing what we do. At one stage, I was here by myself. And so the help and support that our executive gave me to get what we have now, you can't fault it because I'm working in the ray because I'm coming to the end of my working career sort of. And it's like to have all these beautiful young women following in my footsteps, I couldn't ask for anything better. And the hospital has helped in creating what we have now. We have a wonderful RAP committee team that all of our stuff goes to. We sit within that. So all the deliverables that we want, we put in there, we ask there. And so then we create, we work from the RAP committee down to create more staff, more positions. I sit on all the employment panels and I'm involved in the recruitment of Aboriginal staff in the hospital. And so I'm allowed to have my finger in all sorts of pies because of our wrap. And that wasn't here when I first came. And so to have that, because there are people on their wrap from the top down. Yes. And so they're involved in everything that we do and they're supportive of everything we're doing. That's amazing. That's a real testimony of the commitment of mm. the just going to ask a question about the service itself. So, because I noticed in that lovely brochure that's on the website about your caseload work, 
You have outreach capacity, so could you provide support to your mums and bubs once they've gone home? Yeah, yeah. So full service. So we see them in clinic. I'm on call for their birth. Then so I'd go do their birth. And then after I'll visit you at your on the hospital ward, so on the postnatal ward and attend education, do some baby baths, help with breastfeeding, help with postpartum recovery. So checking the stitches, making if there's any. If there's any, agreed. (laughs) We've got some good rates. We have got some good rates. (laughs) Making sure that they're really recovering well and setting them up with really well for going home. And then we visit them at home and that may be two or three depending on what's happening. Are they a multi? Are they a primate? Have they had children before? How are they coping? Is there milk in? Do they need help with breastfeeding? And what's really good is I found coming in new only six months to this position, there has been a lot of really good relationships built within the hospital with our allied health services. Mm. So all I have to do is go to, say I've got a mum just the other day who was having some trouble with breastfeeding. They had already been discharged from the hospital, but not discharged from Bagarook because I was providing domiciliary services. They had issues with their breastfeeding. So I rang up lactation consultant they said oh you're a bagarook woman i've got an appointment bring her in today yeah so we've got all of these expectations or set up really well within the hospital so that our ladies or not expectations relationships set up really well within the hospital so that our ladies can be prioritized it's very important like with physio if i have problems with any of the physio appointments made I know the ward clerk by name so I just run around there and they go and adjust the appointment to tailor to what the patient needs yeah it's really good you're really a highlight to us the importance of relationship and connection and Mm. how you really develop and build those relationships and the relationship that you have with your women and their families it's all about developing relationship isn't it and building. yeah it's vital to any healthcare you need to be able to build rapport and you need to be able to build rapport really quickly yeah yeah and it's really sorry it's really important to remember we also have wonderful shared care arrangements with community Mm. with VARS in particular Victorian Aboriginal Community Health Services but also through VATCHO all the KMS services, who the majority of them sit within organisations across the state. And so we're actually connected in there. The hospital is part of the training with that show who train, uh, provide the education services to the KMS and the Aboriginal Health Services. So we do, I do with them education as part of my role. And so we have, like I say, we all have our fingers in different pies across the state. Even though we're centrally located in Melbourne, as a tertiary hospital, we do a lot of educating around. My job's got many hats on my head. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I've got lots of heads and not enough hats. But <laughs> So it's really important that all that background work allows Alex and the rest of the team to really focus on the women here, knowing that when their time is finished with us, they're going to be fully supported in the community. Mm. Yeah. yeah, It's really comprehensive. It's got such longevity and vision. Mm. Can you tell us about some of the challenges that you've both faced and your service and team has faced? I'll go first with that one. When we were building, after we had Bagarook, I think the success of Bagarook took us all by surprise. I don't think we were ready for the amount of women that we were going to see because prior to that, hardly any woman had caseload, Aboriginal women. And then all of a sudden, people in the hundreds 
are turning up. And it was like, oh, my gosh, you know. And so I don't think we were prepared for the success in the way we should have been or could have been. But we certainly have got our eyes open now and hence the re- the creation of other positions. But that was one of the things that jumped out at us after a very short period of time. And in that sense, when that was happening, burnout for our girls was a real thing. Yeah. When we really had to take stock of that. And I think we've handled that quite well. But like I said, I don't think none of us were prepared for the actual amount of women that the Bagabook girls were seeing. We've actually lowered the amount of people. Well, we will be lowering the amount of people that they're going to see every caseload every year. And I think a full-time one will go down to 38, 35, 35. Because a lot of our patients are, and that was the other thing, we didn't realise how complex some of our women are. And we get women from the Northern Territory as well so and that's another feather in this hospital's cap they used to go to Adelaide for some reason but all of a sudden they started coming here and we have long-term patients some patients have to come here months before baby's born yes in case baby comes too early and then months after they're still here so we're involved the ALO roles then really come into play so we're involved with those patients from the beginning to the end and some of them could be a long time Alex, tell us about some of the challenges you had as a midwife. Yes, I was going to mention burnout due to the complexities of the case with treating with all risk ladies. So it means that they're very complex ladies sometimes. Sometimes they're not, sometimes they're low risk, but the majority of our patients are high risk ladies. So that means that there's a lot to be over and make sure that there's a lot to follow up on. So it does have like an accumulative weight sometimes. So how I've managed to deal with it is making sure that we have leave appropriate and booked and planned throughout the year appropriately. But also I work in a very flexible team. So any of the ladies, say if I'm having a tough day any of the ladies in my the midwives in my team I just have to let them know and the slack is picked up so it's really 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 good in that way as you know given that it's such a very special year and as Ali said before we started this conversation this yarn the importance of stamping out racism and, mm-hmm. and calling out racism so we are interested in of your experiences and challenges in relation to that. I'll just answer that before Alex come on board. I think there was a little bit around why are they getting special treatment and that was from other hospital staff earlier on and it's that not knowing what the go was really because, you know, nurses work in caseload, doctors, midwives work in caseload. The majority of women that come to this hospital is in caseload of some sort. Not all, but some sort. And so when we created our own, they didn't un- didn't quite understand why Aboriginal women. It's the same old story all over the place. Why do Aboriginal people get special preference? And that's because people don't understand the history of the- how Aboriginal people became disadvantaged in the first place and that that disadvantage continues right to this day. And so a lot of people don't understand that history. So it has a little bit preconceptions about what we are and why we do what we do. And then as we all work together and progressed and they see the importance of, it's important to know that we've been closing the gap here. Our breastfeeding rates are up. The low birth weights are lower. Babies are being born at good birth weights. 
we're doing things that are closing the gap and it's really important that that's known. And so the education around, and like any other organisation, public or government, you get that, oh, then blackfellas, here they go again, one, one, one. And it's not about that. It's about providing a service to community communities that never used to have these services. And so 20 years is relatively new. Having a bag for KMS, but to have a bag or caseload within a public hospital is even more newer. And creating these services for Aboriginal people, historically we've created them because we didn't have them. We weren't allowed to have them or it was really hard to get them. And so we created our own. And we're doing that again here in this particular instance because the high risk to our women is higher than most simply because of all the horrendous statistics that happen to Aboriginal people in general, let alone pregnant Aboriginal women. And so the historics around that sort of knowledge, a lot of people still don't know that, as bizarre as that sounds in today's age, a lot of people still don't know how we became so disadvantaged and the offshoots of that of early death, early imprisonment, prison rates for women especially are the worst in the world per capita. The removal of children are higher now than they've ever been before, before the Bringing Home report. And it's like, what is that? How did that happen? Because that report was supposed to lower taking children and removing them. The hospital works really hard to make sure that what we do inside these walls contributes to babies going home. And so... Yeah, you're kind of leaning into a question around the research then. you Clearly what you're doing is closing the gap. Yes. Um, tell us yes. about, and we've kind of moved away from some of the challenges. Sorry. I didn't get Ali, let Alex to finish because it was talking about the barriers that they face here. And that was just what happened in the early beginnings. You don't see that as much anymore. You still see it. Yes. But it's not as prevalent as it used to be. And is some of that because of the work that you've all done? I feel the cultural burnout a bit more. So that's one of the hardships that I've faced. So, yeah, just having the understanding of where these ladies are coming from and possibly myself, I find it a little bit challenging. Mm. Yeah. And given that people work differently. One of the bigger issues that I've seen, because I've been with all of the girls since the beginning, is work-life balance. Trying to be your own person as well. You're not just a bag of midwife. You're actually Alex Burton, daughter, girlfriend, sister, big sister, you know, and it's trying to keep that balance. And it's really hard when you have to work within these on-call, you're on-call or you're on holidays, but you're always thinking about, if you're not on work on today, you're still thinking about, what am I going to do tomorrow when i got to come back on? Yeah. It's that never-ending sort of stuff. We try and keep that for the girls. If they're here when they shouldn't be here, I tell them to get home. <laughs> it's like it's really hard to get that life balance. You know, like I said, the girls are on call. They do all those different shifts. They help one another out. Unless they actually go on leave leave and actually go on holiday somewhere. I just get dragged into all of this stuff. But you know, but it's wonderful stuff. I have no degree whatsoever. But you do a lot of background work to try and create something that's good. And what we've created is something very, very good. And I hope if the hospital is seeing this, <laughs> which they will, I hope they continue supporting us because we're doing a wonderful job. We're closing the gap that they've signed up for. They signed up to close the gap. Well, we're doing it. 
and the girls work really hard and young cinnamon behind me. I don't work as hard as them girls because I'm old and raggy. But together, together, we make a formidable team and we're doing it. And I'm really, really proud of the girls, Young Cinema. We're getting another ALO. We're getting another midwife. We're growing. We're hopefully creating a clinic. And together, we're an unbeatable team. And I just love it because people are still learning. And I think once we get that life balance stuff right, you won't be able to stop us, I don't think. I, from the research, the thing that gets me I am excited the most is the fact that you can have such an input on birth weight of babies mm-hmm. by providing continuity of care. So early intervention, so we can do more monitoring and scans when needed, if appropriate, mm-hmm. not unnecessarily, but just by having a safe, secure mother can provide a huge output on that baby's life. Thinking about what a low birth weight does influences on the rest of the comorbidities of that baby's life, predisposed Mm -hmm. to different diseases and all sorts of stuff. So I think it's awesome that we can Mm -hmm. do that. And, you know, the girls, and this is just in conversation and anecdotally, no records here, but I think we've lowered the amount of C-sections. The girls pay attention to episiotomies. Do you need one or you don't need one? Because that's life-changing stuff. Every time you cut someone's body, that's life-changing stuff. And so the girls pay real attention to that. And I don't think we have as many C-sections in our community as we used to because they don't need to. Yes, yes. As a collective, how do we support Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nurses and midwives better than we have been? I think it's got to do with education. So to know where one person has come from, really impacts on where somebody can go so to understand history and to know some of the things that have happened in the past um, it's really important about acknowledging and moving forward um, like the hospital has done so that's really important possibly other hospitals could have a go at that then what else is really important for moving forward is education so maybe making it mandatory to have cultural safe training instead of just making it voluntary. I think that would be really important. So in like welcome packs when people, new employees start, making it a mandatory decision to do cultural safe training, I think that will really impact on change. Yeah, and people's behaviour. Yeah. And there's also another bow to this violin, I guess, is when people go to university. Because once upon a time, I used to be a liaison student support officer at what used to be Monash Gippsland, which now is Federation University Gippsland. And we had a really good and large nursing and midwifery intake at Monash Gippsland. All the time, there was lots of Aboriginal students that became nurses and a couple became, did the double degree. One of those students that were there way back then was the 2019, I believe, 18 or 19 midwife of the year. And... I look, and I, I, I know Tracy, and it's like, you know, she was one of the girls that was in our little cohort, and it was so exciting. And it was actually creating strength and self reliance in people while they're studying and be able to hold their own when they come into a place like this. And hopefully, there are places like our little liaison unit, our Badger Bullock Willem, that is here to grab them when they come through the door too. Because we do a lot, well, I do a lot with our, um, and young cinnamon behind me, do a lot with. Our grads when they come in, undergrads, postgrads, our cadets, graduate cadets, 
So we work with them. There's lots of bows to the violin that allow us to create strength, resilience and pride in our Aboriginal nursing and midwifery staff that come through our door. We have a bunch of nursing and Roussons cadetships. We've actually decided we're going to have all Roussons because <laughs> it's like Roussons are just, they get to do more than just a nursing cadet does. And so when we realise the difference, especially when I realise the difference, it's like, why are we doing this? Why can't we have all Roussons and give our nurses that opportunity to have a little bit more hands-on stuff? Because the goal of that is to ensure that people learn and then pass their exams. That's our role, is to help them pass their exams to become fully-fledged nurses and midwives. And so the more opportunity we give them in those cadetship phases to get the experience and the knowledge so that their studies make sense to them. Because sometimes if study doesn't make sense to you, there's no way you're going to be able to pass unless you get really lucky. But if we can offer the right type of learning in their cadetships, it will make it easier for them to know what they're talking about and what the studies are talking about because they've actually done it. They're not standing off in the corner folding sheets or cleaning the cupboard or something. They're actually in there doing stuff as Roussons. And it's so important in how people learn because people learn in all sorts of different ways and we need to move with the times and teach them in all sorts of different ways. Yes. Spot on, spot on, Auntie Mm. So my last question, I certainly have one. My last question would be if I was a young nurse or midwife for that matter, kind of looking to start out my career in a young Aboriginal nurse or midwife, what kind of wisdom or advice would both of you or either of you have for me? For me, it would be, especially if you're already at university, Touch base with your liaison officers, your student supports, because they have a whole wealth of information and different doors they can open for you to learn in different ways. And having that relationship, they also have people in community they can connect you to. Because the hardest part of being an Aboriginal person trying to get into community or into services like this is, especially if they come from the country into the city, is not knowing anybody. And you'll find that a lot of the country universities have connections to all the Aboriginal services in the city. They'll have connections to introduce people to. But also once they get into the hospitals, go find your Aboriginal liaison unit because they're there in just about every hospital in the country now. There might be some, a few small hospitals that don't have us, but they'll have something around. Connect yourself with liaison units because they do, like we do, all sorts of stuff with inside the hospital that we can help you with. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Alex and yourself, what advice would you give me being a young budding midwife? To not say no to any opportunities, even if you're scared of them. So to ask for help where help help is needed. Don't feel afraid that if there's any silly questions, there's never any silly questions. It's just questions that haven't been asked before. So yeah, to give everything a go. And to put your hand up, even if you're feeling uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. Did Thank we answer so everything much. that needed to be answered? You have. Thank Alrighty. you so much, Auntie Gina and Alex, for your time today. We've really appreciated your insights. And we've got further information about supporting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nurses and midwives and students, which is invaluable. No, oh, that's good. My pleasure. I just want to say that if anyone has any issues that they'd like to speak about, you're welcome to call Nurse Midwife Support 24 hour, seven day a week, 
service for nurses, midwives, students. You can call us on 1-800-667-877 or contact us via the website on nmsupport.org.au. Thank you. Thank you.